the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, ah, so that's terrible. Another shooting in uh, Louisville at a bank. Four killed, yikes, eight wounded uh, bad stuff. Apparently, the shooter, we don't know too much about. He may have been an ex-employee. This one will, this one will, uh, probably fade away pretty quick. Um, we're still living with the aftermath of, uh, Nashville. Two weeks later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we going to have to deal with these two guys, these two Justins? Have you seen them? The two Justins, uh, the one with the, the big hair, the afro, and the other one with the long hair behind his back. Um, and that crazy Gloria Johnson, the three, the Tennessee three, they are the most obnoxious people in the world. They've been just kicked out. I guess two of them were kicked out. Gloria, they let stick around because she did not use the bullhorn. You can't use a bullhorn at work. Imagine if you just went around parading at your office with a bullhorn. You know, the office says, uh, we're having a meeting. And, uh, the first thing you do is, uh, disrupt the meeting and grab your bullhorn and start shouting people down. You can't do that. And apparently there's a rule against that, and they're, they've been kicked out. And they say this is an affront to democracy. This is the worst thing that ever happened. This is fascist. And I keep hearing about their constituents. Now their constituents are without a representative. Oh, my goodness gracious, how terrible is that? All 87,000 of them in one district, 100,000 in another district. At one point they were saying 250,000 people have been somehow disenfranchised. I'm like, that sounds like a lot. I don't know. And I just was kind of curious. So I said, oh, how many people did vote for these people? I mean, I don't know who my state assemblyman is. I don't know who my state senator is. If I really thought about it, I think I could come up with it. But actually, I can't. I, I don't know who it is. Uh, I should. I should. And I should probably be voting against them. And I will come election day. I'm sure they've done something that annoys me. But I just I don't know. Sorry. Um, yeah, it is true that Trump has kind of sucked all the air out of the room. We're so hyper-focused nationally. We need to be, uh, we need to factor this local stuff in, the state stuff in. Anyway, I looked up how many people voted for these cats. For one guy, you know how many votes made him the speaker from his district? I'm sorry, the, uh, the, uh, the representative from the 52nd district. 443 votes. That's how much he got, 443 votes. Another guy got 1,100 votes. Uh, both of them were unopposed, unopposed in the general election. Nobody ran against them. Is that democracy? One party, the party, one party rule. That sounds a lot like uh, China. It sounds a lot like what the Soviet Union used to be like. It doesn't sound like America. Up and down, screaming all over about that stuff. Um I'm very happy to have played some small role in helping out the cause of Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas, back in 1991 when he was nominated by George H.W. Bush. It was the greatest moment in his life. And then uh, a bunch of kooks came forward. Kooks, like Anita Hill, definitely a kook. Didn't, absolutely a kook. And I went through it. I was just curious, what did she say about him anyway? And... um by today's standards, it's, it was pretty mild stuff. But he denied all of it. I agree. I believe him. Do you remember what they put him through? Cut 27, please. Cut 27. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching 
for uppity blacks. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. Wow. That was, uh, I'll never forget it, where I was when I saw that. And they're still trying to hurt him. He was deeply wounded by that, of course. Anybody would be. All those lies, national television, people asking him about, you know, what he was watching in the privacy of his own home and, you know, what kind of videos was he renting? You know, back then you had to go to the video store. Some jerk from a magazine went to that video store and got the clerk to give him a list of all the movies that Clarence Thomas had rented. And they're worried about judges violating our privacy, right, or passing something that would violate our privacy. That's the kind of stuff they did to him. And all these years later, they find out that he goes fishing with friends. He goes fishing with friends. uh, And he's totally allowed to do that. It doesn't matter if the friend is a billionaire or if he's dirt poor. You're allowed to go stay at a friend's house. You can do that. ProPublica, stupid left-wing site. Uh, came up with a total hit piece that misses the mark, but it doesn't matter if you hit or miss anymore. You just create some, uh, you just kick up some dust. You kick up some dirt and hope some of it sticks. And the media, oh boy, when it's a, when it's a, one of ours, when it's a conservative, they just love it. Cut 28, please. Cut 28. Firestorm over Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas for accepting luxury travel around the world for more than 20 years paid for by a GOP donor. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who is at the center of yet another controversy. The backlash facing Justice Clarence Thomas is all about this new report alleging he secretly accepted lavish trips from a major Republican donor, raising questions about ethics and transparency on the court. Ooh, on the court. Ethics and transparency on the court. And who's raising these? Who's who's running with these questions now? Who's running with them? Sheldon, Sheldon Whitehouse. Ooh, Sheldon. Have you ever seen him? He's the most obnoxious guy in the world. I can't stand this guy. Republican of uh, no Democrat of Rhode Island, who's a member of an all-white racist beach club. Imagine that. This guy's out there giving Clarence Thomas a hard time. He's the member of an all-white beach club. It's a problem in this day and age. And he's been a member of it for years. People have been pointing it out. Hey, this is a problem. You have no people of color in this uh, in this social club of yours. What are you going to do about it? Cut 29, please. Cut 29. Back in 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all-white Bailey's Beach Club, said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now, your family's been members. Your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that. I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Um, Do you have concerns in 2021? I mean, obviously, it's been four years. You had remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Um, Your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club, again, in this day and age, um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. Uh, I think we just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. Wow. You know, slavery, I guess, was a long tradition in the South. Uh, we got the hell rid of it because it was awful. You're just going to go with this discriminating club, huh? Major, the, the, the hypocrisy. And this is the guy who was really, really mean and vicious to uh, Justice Kavanaugh. Bad guy. 
Sheldon Whitehouse. Who the hell? Who 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 runs against who? Lincoln Chafee was the last Republican I think we had up there. He was okay. He was okay. Um, oh, and then there was this. All weekend long, I've still been seeing this. This beautiful woman. I guess we did it already, but that Riley Gaines matter. That's not going away. Riley Gaines, that champion uh, in the pool, who was beaten by Leah Thomas. Can anyone explain the LGBTQ mania? It's... Um, it's I, there's no real explanation. Although I did see one in the New York Post. Have you ever heard of the human rights campaign? Human rights campaign sounds like a beautiful thing. What could be wrong with the human rights campaign? Well, it's great. <laughs> Don't let these benign titles fool you. It's like the uh, Human Rights Council at the United Nations. I mean, they do so much protecting of horrible totalitarian fascist regimes. Uh, and uh, th- that's what they're doing here at the Human Rights uh, Campaign. It used to be pretty valid what they stood up for. Okay, gays want to serve in the military. There was a lot of resistance to that, but finally it happened, and the world didn't come to an end. I could live with that. I, uh, I Yeah, it's all right, whatever. Colin Powell was definitely against it, and they made a an accommodation for him. Don't ask, don't tell. Remember that? Well, anyway, they won that battle ultimately. You can serve openly as gay in the military. And, uh, you know, the only thing that Trump said is you can't get gender reassignment surgery while you're in the military. And they're trying to make him into you know, a monster over that. Mm, anyway, they got their gays in the military. Then they got gay marriage. So what do you do when you're the human rights campaign and you're fighting for gay rights all the time? What, what you, you, you won. You got everything you want. No, then you got to expand it because we used to call it the LGB community, lesbian, gay, bisexual, right? Then it became the LGBT community, transsexual, right? LGBTQ, queer or questioning. They're ever expanding the spectrum of victimhood uh, so they can raise money, so they can get cash. That's uh, that's what it's about. Hey, can I go back to the situation in Tennessee? Have you seen this horrible, broken down, terrible person, Gloria Johnson, out here lying left and right? saying that she the only reason why she wasn't kicked out of the Tennessee State House is because she's uh well here she is describing it cut 21 please cut 21 I think it's pretty clear I'm a 6-year-old white woman and they are two young black men Ooh that's why the two young black men were kicked out because they're young and black and you Gloria were kept because you're white and old older um Talk about talk about stirring the pot, right? And she's lying. She's absolutely lying. And she even chuckled. Can I hear that chuckle at the very top? She chuckles. So, Gloria, why are you still a state representative and those other two are not? What's the reason again? Cut 21. I think it's pretty clear. I'm a 60-year-old white woman, and they are two young black men. I see. I see. Okay, 60-year-old white woman. And they're black men. Well, here's the thing. Um, the two young black men were the ones who grabbed the bullhorn. You strategically uh, sidestepped that one. You didn't blow through the bullhorn. Your offense was not as grave as theirs. You just kind of stood there. You just kind of stood there, possibly egging them on, possibly like that guy in Animal House that I was talking on, talking about on Friday. Isn't this great? 
you were there for the prank, but you didn't, you just observed. You were a witness. You really weren't driving it. I think you really regret that now because you see these guys are like total superstars now. The Tennessee three, they called you guys the Tennessee three for about two seconds. It didn't really take. And now it's all about the Justins. Double J. Justin Jones and Justin, uh, the other one. I think this is Justin the other one. Justin the other one has the afro, right? Let me hear him. He was uh, wrapping things up on the floor of the Tennessee house where he is no longer an employee. Yes, I tell you, it was a sad day on Saturday. All hope seemed to be lost. Representatives were thrown out of the state house. Democracy seemed to be at its end. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. But all that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last. Do you think he talks like this? Do you think he talks like this when he's going through the drive-thru at McDonald's? I mean, really? Who the hell? This is a little bit over the top. Keep going. Folks, we've got good news that Sunday always comes. Resurrection is a promise. And it is a prophecy. It's a prophecy that came out of the cotton fields. It's a prophecy that came out of the lynching tree. It's a prophecy that still lives in each and every one of us in order to make the state of Tennessee the place that it ought to be. And so I've still got hope because I know we are still here. All right, stop. Stop. He's going to really give himself a, uh, yeah, I get it. It's, it's poetry, right? It's beautiful on some level. Um, and that is very seductive in the community he comes from. It's too seductive, unfortunately. You just fall in love with the way people speak. Just, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, he's been a legislator for all of two minutes. I, I think he got there two weeks ago. I looked it up. What did he do in his career? Did he do anything? Uh, he's a community organizer. He's a community organizer. That's what he does. Community organizing. His community could use a hell of a lot more organizing and organization. Uh, doesn't seem to have much at all. It's uh, it's a bit of a wreck there in Memphis. Um, but there's a there's a love affair with that kind of talk, unfortunately. And uh, you know we've seen it before. Malcolm X, Al Sharpton, uh, Barack Obama. Boy, can they speak! But they can't change anything. It's just a bunch of words. It sounds great, plays well. And then all you're left with is, boy, that guy's a really good speaker. Hmm, good for him. It's a difference between being an effective speaker and a gifted communicator. Trump may not be the greatest speaker in the world, but he's probably the greatest communicator. You know the difference? He's conveying feeling. He's conveying, he's inspiring for action. He's you you see yourself. It, it touches you inside. When I hear this guy again, one more time. And we will never quit. It just it's it's a pep talk. It's just a glorified pep talk. It's a glorified pep talk. And oh by the way, I'm sorry, it's not nineteen fifty seven anymore. We've come a long way and they keep talking us down as a country. And unfortunately a lot of people are believing this vicious propaganda about us. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, in so many ways, 2023, 2024, very similar to 2016. All the beautiful people, all the pundits, all the the smart set, they're all saying that Trump can't win. 
And if he does, he's going down. He's going down to Hillary Clinton. He's going down to Joe Biden. <laughs> Just uh, they uh, they always underestimate this guy. They never quite can figure him out. And Chris Christie, at this point, you should know better. Not that you're a part of what the beautiful people set, but I'm sorry. Uh, well, cut 10, please. Cut 10. Yeah. Joe Biden still sits in the low 40s. He's still got a third of the people, just a third, when you talk about ratings, who say they think he deserves to be reelected in the, in the latest but, poll. But you still think he beats Donald Trump in a general I think he's. I think Donald Trump is the only Republican he can beat. I don't think he could beat any other Republican who could get nominated. How dare you, Chris Christie? You are wrong as wrong can be, and wrong again. He's out there telling crowds that he's the only one, oh, by the way, that can beat uh, Donald Trump. He's the only one. I'd like to see how the hell does he propose to do that. He says he's going to do to Donald Trump what he did to Marco Rubio. Apparently, at one one brief shining moment for Chris Christie, he, like, just killed, just slayed Marco Rubio in a debate once with like a one-liner or something like that. Just not, like knocked him out. So the fifth place guy took out the sixth place guy. And he's going to do that to Donald Trump. That's the promise. He said that in New Hampshire last week. He keeps going up there. Hey, um, I don't understand it totally. I mean, I'm not a big DeSantis fan. I would love to see him as president in 2032, but not yet. He is blowing it. He is screwing up. Everything he's doing, according to those who, uh, I mean, the donors, the people who run the world, uh, <laughs> he can't do it. He's going up to Iowa and uh, New Hampshire. He's got a couple of appearances this week. And I'm told if he blows those, it's over. They got to see, <laughs> this guy's got to start putting up, you know, put up or shut up. He's got to show some political talent. You can't just talk about the election in Florida all the time. You got to show that you're good on the stump, and he hasn't done that. So, DeSantis, uh, this is make or break week for him. Uh, I'm serious. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, one of the great things about stop and frisk, stop, question, and frisk, uh, the bad guys uh, would leave their guns at home. They didn't want to be stopped. They didn't want to be stopped and uh, those guns discovered. There's no actual uh, risk of that anymore. So there are guns everywhere. Next time somebody on the subway says, what are you looking at? I say, nothing, 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 sir. Goodbye. <laughs> Just get get the hell away. Get the hell away. Uh, guns are everywhere. Hey, that reminds me, the National Rifle Association, you know what an amazing group this is? They've been totally, totally misportrayed, maligned. Um they do so much for gun safety. And you know who needs a course in gun safety? Quite frankly, um, any crew, any gang, any, any urban gathering of, uh, uh, young criminals, quite frankly. Uh, this is, uh, you guys unfortunately don't know how to shoot straight. You're always shooting children and babies and innocent bystanders, uh, standards and, and, and each other, quite frankly. You're never getting the intended target. Aim. All right. Sight alignment, trigger squeeze. Be careful. Aim carefully. Uh, cause you bring a lot of heat on you guys, right? I mean, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. All right. You shouldn't be shooting people, but, um, you're going to shoot somebody. Be careful. Saw it again. It's happening all the time, all the time. Too many children, too many children, innocent bystanders. 
uh, one year, a one year old kid. Hey, it looks like uh, Chicago is dead. Uh, forget about Chicago. It's uh, it's finished. That maniac they just elected. You figure after four years of Lori Lightfoot, remember that derelict? They, they would want you know some. They would want a, a a hero, a crime fighter. They found a a teacher who gives very good grades to bad students and never gives out homework. He says he's never given an F or a D, um, and that's kind of all he knows. That and and the. Uh, the language of, of racial grievance, which can take you very, very far. Thanks a lot, Barack Obama. Yeah, you have inspired, well, I think you inspired this guy who is emulating you. Seems like every step of the way. Uh, goes to a prestigious college and then comes out and kind of bums around. Calls himself a community organizer and shakes down, uh, let's hear what he said. All right, so this is, I think, just before he got the boot from uh, the, uh, the people there in Tennessee. Go ahead. The National Rifle Association and all of these gun lobbyists continue to be able to have control over our legislation. What's going through my mind right now is we need to fight for democracy in the state of Tennessee and we need people not only just to vote, uh-huh. but people to show up and speak out so that we can end the gun violence epidemic that's happening in our state. This is wrong. This is unjust. Wrong. And this is not the way that it has to be. There is a better way for us to live. And we don't have to live this way. But the Republican Party of the state of Tennessee want to keep things the same. If you want to fight to change it, if you want to help to make this place a better place, you have to use your voice. You have to use your power. And yes, sometimes you've got to get expelled. You got to get what? You got to get what? You got to get what? I didn't hear it. Uh, well, this is the flavor of the month. He may be around for a long time. Pump it up one more time. Sends you back. You have to use your power. And yes, sometimes you've got to get expelled. All right, stop, stop. Jeez, calm down, calm down. Uh, what needs to change? I guess this guy gets to go to the head of the line and says whatever he wants. You know, actually passing legislation is a great big pain in the neck. It's much more fun to raise your fist, uh, to go to a press conference, be a motor mouth, join the protesters, um, but actually getting stuff done, that is a pain in the neck. Do we have my schoolhouse rock? Where's my schoolhouse rock? Yeah, here you remember schoolhouse rock. This is the kind of stuff you got to do if you want to get if you want to actually bring change about. You start standing up there and talking like this and talking about the wrongs that have happened in history. No, it's about grit. It's about just going for it. It's not glamorous. You got to stay up late at night. You got to drive out to some. Applebee's and have dinner with some jerk you don't like. You got to do those things to win people over. And then you still might fail. Cut 22, please. Cut 22, the classic schoolhouse rock. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I got as far as Capitol Hill. Well, now I'm stuck in committee and I'll sit here and wait while a few key congressmen discuss and debate whether they should let me be alone. I hope and pray that they will. But today I am still just a bill. Wow. That sounds like a real pain in the neck, Mr. Bill. You got to wait in committee and then they debate and then you might get kicked out and then you may get vetoed and all that stuff that goes into creating a law. 
Man, that sounds like a lot of hard work. I mean, really, who the hell wants to do that? Isn't it more fun to do this? You have to use your voice. You have to use your power. And yes, sometimes you've got to get expensive. Yeah. I know what I would do. <laughs> uh, I would actually be the guy who was uh, grinding it out, working late at night, working uh, working to get things passed. It's not as much fun. It's, uh, it's sure it's great to grab a bullhorn and uh, yell your head off. Hmm. Uh, not impressed. That's a good little. Do you, do you remember where you were when you heard Schoolhouse Rock? I was in Baldwin, Long Island, seven fifty-seven Sprague Street. Love that little tune, and that cartoon series. Great stuff. No, that's not. Uh, that's not the way America is right now. It's not about hard work. It's about looking cool on Instagram, because those stupid little press conferences that guy gave and getting kicked out and raising his fist and grabbing that bullhorn. Well. Look at what the media thinks of him now. Cut 23, please. Cut 23. Two members, Justin Pearson, Justin Jones, are now stars across the country. What I will also say, though, Andrea, on a, on a bright note, is what this also did is shine a light on these two stars. What happened yesterday, all three of these individuals are now superstars. They are martyrs. Well, yeah, it's a shortcut to fame and fortune. Why go through the trouble of working when you can just become an overnight hero on social media and cable news, especially if you got a big, uh, big head of hair, that makes you really special. I mean, if you're just a, a Caucasian person, you're just not that interesting anymore. You're just—it's uh, all about what you look like. It's all about uh, just—and this is young and hip and cool. I don't care how young he is, by the way. Isn't that the kind of natural progression of things? Um, and now, you know, ageism is alive and well. Ageism. America is one of the few countries where the elderly are openly mocked in in entertainment, in film and movies and TV shows. Older people are just laughed at, you know. Uh, they just make fun of them from their clothes to just, you know, the health uh, ailments, the things that are inevitably going to come our way if we're lucky enough to reach old age. Everybody, if you're lucky, you'll be old someday. Half of this guy's appeal apparently is that he's uh, he's young. Uh, so what? So what? To me, looking at young makes him not very valuable, not particularly useful. Looking at his resume, I'm pretty sure he never bought a house. Looking at his resume, I'm pretty sure, um, well, he never had a serious job. For the past four years, he was the assistant to the CEO of a nonprofit. The assistant to a CEO of a nonprofit. I, you know, as, I, assistants, you generally don't have those jobs for more than two years, right? Up and out, right? You got to move on. You know, four years hanging around the, hanging around the boss of a nonprofit. I looked up the nonprofit. I have no idea what the hell they do. It's called, uh, year, year up. Y-E-A-R up. And I watch it and it just, they talk about communities and they talk about outreach and they talk about, uh, doing good with more, just uh, opportunity and, and, and those left behind and uh, equity. It's just all those buzzwords. I can't figure out what the hell it is they do. Um, but it doesn't matter because, uh, well, they're hot right now. Cut 17. So today we are brought to here where members are responding in the most extreme measure, not because of what we did, 
but because by breaking the quorum, we broke the glass of your false power for the world to see. You're not silencing my voice. You're silencing the voice of 70,000 Tennesseans. I've still got hope because I know we are still here and we will never quit. Oh, my God. How amazing. Uh, I told you already, they're lying about the number of people. All right. <laughs> I think it's it's a little much. 70,000 people live in your district, but uh, 400 people voted for you. Right. I, I think that's Andrew and Stan Hope. Hello. Hey, Greg, can I get some fries with that? <laughs> You're right. It's probably a phony voice. And even the left laughed at Obama. He was on this podcast, which uh, features two African-American left-leaning hosts. And for some reason, he walks onto the set and they actually laughed at him because he goes, he did like a 1970s, like, you know, soul brother walk. And he goes, y'all playing ball with Booker? Like with a, he did it with a straight face, like as if he talks that way. And they actually laughed when he did that. Well, you know, yeah, I know. We've seen it. He changes his voice. Depends who he's talking to. It depends where he is, right? And a lot of white politicians do that uh, themselves as well. They just modulate it, and they they suddenly get this down-home effect in certain environments. Anyway, anything else going on, Andrew? I'm a big supporter of the Constitution. That's why I love Clarence Thomas. But even back in the day when he used the term high-tech lynching, I thought that was so offensive and the country and every African-American should be offended because lynching means murder, unjustified killing of, in you know, blacks he was referring to. So to say when someone slandered him to stop him from getting a job because they were against him, that's wrong. But it's not at all comparable to a murder. So for him to compare it to a murder is, you know, so totally offensive. All right, pal. Well, it's good to hear from you again. Uh, everything else good with you otherwise? Uh, we just lost you. Hey, everybody watch. Nobody reads the New York Times anymore, right? Nobody reads the, uh, the New York Times. But guess who they quoted? Me! Greg Kelly in the New York Times. Yeah, the fake news. Finally catching on to a little bit of truth. I'll have it when I come back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, did you see Harry Lorraine died? Harry Lorraine, L-O-R-A-Y-N-E, amazing memory expert, Uh, just a wonderful entertainer and magician as well. Harry Lorraine, uh, dead at the age of 96, I knew this was coming, and uh, I'm, I'm really, well, I'm glad I got to know him a little bit. Uh, are you familiar with him? He started his rise to fame in the uh, 1950s and uh, really a superstar through the 60s, 70s, 80s. He's been on the Johnny Carson show uh, like a hundred times. Uh, what was his big thing? Well, he was really great at card tricks, and he was a magician, but the thing that he focused on most of all was memory. And it was just wild to watch him. He could have an entire audience stand up, 500 people. And what he would do is, like before Johnny Carson taped, he'd go through the audience and he'd memorize everybody's name. And then uh, at some point when he comes on the show, you know, they have a quick interview. And then he'd have everybody in the audience stand up. And one by one, as he said their name, they would all sit. Harry Lorraine, and he's written about uh, like a hundred books on this uh, on the topic of memory. 
and I got to know him. I had him twice on the Good Day New York show, and I conducted a podcast with him, but I sought him out. My father had used his techniques. Uh, he has an amazing memory, and I have uh, applied those techniques myself. Here's the thing. Anybody can learn it. Anybody can do it. The book I would recommend most is uh, Page a Minute Memory. It's uh, it's fun to read. It's It's like you're getting coached by a friend. And you go through the book pretty quick. It's one page per minute. And the essence of memory, as he describes it, is, well, you don't remember the usual. You don't remember the normal. You remember the weird, the extraordinary, uh, the just totally gross, uh, surreal. So what you do is you, you kind of create an image around something ordinary that's incredibly weird and strange, and you'll remember it. So he'd associate somebody's face with the name, and then he'd come up with something kind of crazy to help him remember it. Uh, it sounds insane. It's not. It actually works. It's it's uh, now. There's also the link program, linkage program. Every number has a word associated with it, and I've never done this past a hundred. But you can give me a list of a hundred things out of order, and I will give it back to you if you want, <laughs> if you've got the time, uh, in order, one through a hundred. Harry Lorraine, I got to meet him in person, as I said, a couple of times, and uh, but most rewarding was a long, uh, long form interview I conducted a podcast. Went out to Garden City. He was actually working with somebody in Garden City, and uh, anyway, dead at the age of ninety six. You remember this guy, Harry Lorraine? It was a long time ago. I mean, in the early nineties, he had an infomercial. He was on channel nine and he was, he was selling these, uh, these packages, these, these books and tapes and things like that. And they work. Yeah. They really do work. I think maybe tonight I'll do a demonstration. Every time I've done it, it's, uh, it works a little bit tough to do it on the radio. You got to have the, the, the visuals. You got to see what I'm memorizing, but, uh, it can be done. Harry Lorraine, rest in peace. I'll have a little bit more, uh, about him in the next hour. Hey, this guy named Jim Trusty, he's one of Trump's lawyers. He's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He totally schooled the fake news, and that's why he won't be welcome back on the fake news anytime soon. He was on the Meet the Press. He was on all the shows, and he's representing Donald Trump in this box hoax thing. You know, classified documents, so-called classified documents found at his place. Such a scam of a case, it really is. Number one, he had declassification authority. Number two... um, he had declassification authority. And under the Presidential Records Act, he could, uh, with his discretion, deem almost anything uh, personal. Like, that's my, I'm taking that. That's personal. That's presidential. This is personal. That's presidential. And if there's a dispute, well, you can work it out, either directly or in civil court. To make this a criminal matter, to make this a federal case. Anyway, Jim Trusty is one of Trump's lawyers, and he was terrific on the Meet the Press, for starters. Cut 35, please. Cut 35. He has done with classified documents what no former president has ever done. I mean, you, you keep trying to say all of those situations you represent, there was actual cooperation by those former presidents to deal with the dispute. In this case, not only is he not cooperating, he is actively not cooperating. And again, he did not comply with a subpoena. That's the end of the day. That's the obstruction charge. Why didn't he comply with the subpoena? There was a subpoena for all classified documents. He did not comply with the subpoena. He was caught not <clears> complying <throat> with the subpoena because of the, with the search warrant ended up turning up more classified documents. 
How do you explain him defying a subpoena? Chuck, the Democratic narrative, which you're, you're touting right now to try to draw a distinction. It's, between, it's just a set of facts. Well, let me finish. Uh, uh, let's, I mean, let's why add, call it a Democratic narrative? It's a set of facts. Because you're ignoring, a, you're ignoring a set of facts. Let's talk about Delaware. You've got a vice president that has documents for decades in, these, in this Chinese-funded Penn-Biden center. Right. You've got absolute obstruction there because we don't even have there, any sort of how's that obstruction because he had no right to have those documents. Right. And he didn't did have he, any. And did he refuse to turn them over when he found them? Well, I don't know. It was hidden for so many months. Again, did he did he turn them over? Did his lawyers did his lawyers turn that over without any sense of chain of custody or any sorts of has the former clearance? president turned this over? Well, we don't have subpoena? we don't have the leaks coming from Rob Hur's investigation I, 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 to know the details of exactly how stuff. So was is your defense over. that uh, to you know, hey, we think other people broke the law, so let us break no, the law? No, of course not. Of course not. I mean, I, I just think that doesn't seem to be a good defense. Chuck, the point of it is not to say that somebody else broke the law and we did too. It's okay. It's to point out that the common denominator. Whether they're talking about New York, Georgia, or DOJ, is differential treatment for President Trump than anybody in history. Great stuff. Do not mess with Jim Trusty. The fake news, you are so out of your depth when it comes to this stuff. Oh, man, how is he going to? There is a lot of things that are all going to come down. If you think last week was crazy, what about the feds come in and they indict him or uh, Atlanta. I mean, it's fake. I know he's gonna. I know he's gonna get out of it. I know he's gonna work through it. But it is worrisome a little bit. Pamela, how do you feel? Hi. Oh, hi. Um, yeah, I just wanted to. Um, the gentleman was talking about Clarence Thomas. I remember that monologue that he gave. He wasn't using it as a defense mechanism for himself. What he was saying was, was you're putting me in a box. You're not letting me be me based upon racial matters, and it's like a modern-day lynching. That's what he meant by that. I don't know if what you're – I mean, nobody was raising a question. I mean, I think we understood what he was talking about. I don't know. I'm I'm the gentleman who was talking about it. I mean, that guy said – I mean, I don't think there's any – I don't know. You didn't – Pamela, I don't get get it. Anyway, anything else? Well, I think he thought that Clarence Thomas was using it – no, 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 he didn't. Using he, it he, as he, an he, example of being put down. All right. I, 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 I think he was fine. I think I think he was being put down. I think he was a high tech lynching. We all saw him say it. We all know what it meant. And they're trying it again. Poor Justice Thomas. We are with you, sir. Um, it was a real honor, by the way, to have his good friend, uh, Mr. Paoletta, on with me. He's actually in, he actually went to that fishing hole with Clarence Thomas. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Man, this happened yesterday? Did this happen last night? I'm looking at, uh, surveillance footage of a shooting in Upper Manhattan, and, uh, it looks like it's at a smoke shop. And there are a bunch of people, you know, where you go and buy bongs. Yeah, that was a really great idea. Get everybody high on pot. Yep, yep, that's working out really well, isn't it? So uh, let's see here. There's about one, two, three, four, five, six, eight or nine people just milling around uh, close to the desk, you know, where you buy it. It's kind of set up like a bodega, except everything there is uh, everything there is like pipes and crap like that and vaping pens. And two guys are having words. They're just talking, and then you can tell that maybe it's getting a little intense. And one guy who's got a big old medallion on and his hat on backwards, he's got his hand in his pocket, and, yep, shoots him right in the head. There he goes down. 
And the other guy jumps over the, oh, he's walking by him again, and he shoots him a few more times in the head. Puts his gun in, then walks back, walks out of frame. Oh, wait a second, he forgot something. Yeah, let's go through his pockets to see if he's got anything. <laughs> then he picks his, shoots him several times, goes back, shoots him again. Hey, oh, by the way, he's wearing a fire department jacket. I'm not saying this guy, this guy is not a firefighter, but he's wearing an FDNY jacket. It's going to take, uh, roughly, mm, uh, 45 minutes, I think, to catch this guy. <laughs> Everything is under surveillance. Everything. You're photographed. No matter what, we can see you. This kid, this man is going to jail. Although, what the hell's going to happen to him? I mean, he's got a pretty good chance of beating the rap. You know how, Inherently racist the system is, right? Trash the whole store, traumatized a bunch of people, and he goes back and he pickpockets the guy. Hey, maybe I can get a couple of bucks. You take his life. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, they're smoking weed in the damn joint. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hey, I'll tell you this. At least compared to other gunmen, he hit his intended target. I mean, how can you miss at that distance, as they said in Goodfellas? But it was, uh, and he ruins this, he ruins the display case right behind it because the bullet goes through his head and into the display case. Meanwhile, his partner jumps over the, jumps over the counter to get away from him or to steal. I can't tell. Well, James Woods, you know that guy, the great actor? He put this up on his Twitter. Is today the 10th? Today is the 10th. This happened last night at 7.48 p.m. in New York City, probably a mile and a half from where I'm sitting right now, if that, an argument. A couple of words exchanged. Um, oh, by the way, somebody who was exonerated, quote-unquote exonerated, you know that's the the new big thing, right? Nobody in jail ever did it. And now you got these uh, these nonprofits out there that work full-time to prove them right, and sometimes it is it does happen that the the wrong person goes to jail, but usually the right person goes to jail. I wonder what's going to come of this. So some guy got out of prison in Texas because uh, he was exonerated, wrongfully convicted. Three months later, he uh, he shoots somebody in a road rage situation. Are we sure? Are we sure he didn't do it the first time? He was alleged to have stabbed somebody to death. Now it looks a pretty rock-solid case that he shot somebody to death over a um, a traffic dispute. A fender bender. Um, mm, 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 mm. Meanwhile, nobody seems to really, you know, New York just kind of limps along. I don't, I don't sense a lot of frustration, to be honest. I sense a lot of kind of just go with the flow. This is our new reality. It is what it is, right? I mean, it just... Uh, Oh, what are you going to do? Eric Adams looks good in a suit. You know, what are you going to do? Mm, what are we going to do? How about a... Oh, man. How are we, are we going to wake up or what? Are people asleep? I think it's part of it. They are asleep on purpose. The weed makes us far more compliant, far more malleable. And so many people are smoking that junk. It's, uh, all right, I gotta take my mind off of this. Would you wanna hear something beautiful? You wanna hear something beautiful? I don't think she's ever been on this show before. My daughter, Madeline, you've heard of that, Annalise. This is Madeline. She's, what is she? She's one year and three months old. And here she is, kind of, uh, she sounds a little bit like a monkey. 
but it's a very pretty monkey. Go ahead. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Ooh. There we go. All right, you better turn it off because I don't know what kind of background conversation is going on in that. <laughs> okay, that's good. Isn't that beautiful? That's enough. Yeah. Me. She. The only word she knows so far is apple. Hey, I was talking about Harry Lorraine, the memory expert. So here's an example of what he did. Uh, this is on one of those old tiny talk shows, uh, not Ed Sullivan, something else. But he goes through it. The guy explains it. He memorizes everybody's name in the audience, and then they all stand up, and he recites the names. You ready for this? Go ahead. Now, for our cameras, I would like to have all of you in the studio audience who gave your names to Mr. Lorraine, please raise your hand. Please. No. Well, there you go. We didn't quite cover the back of the balcony, but we got about a good 500 people in. All right. Now, I am going to just pick a group at random. I'll take the right side of the balcony over here. Now, will the first... All the people on that side of the front section of the balcony, please stand up. Now, I'm going to ask Mr. Lorraine to start at the right end, read from right to left. The people there, as your name is called, please sit down. All right. You want me to start from this end, Gary? Yeah, yes. All right. That's Mr. Saar, Mr. Stinson, Miss Graff, Mrs. Graff, Miss Finkelstein... Uh, if I can see correctly, I believe that's the Harpin family. Mr. and Mrs. Harpin, there was Dorothy Harpin and Esther Harpin, Mrs. Pollock, and way in the corner, it's a little dark there, but I believe that's Mrs. Stern. Uh, let me start from this end again. I'll go across the next one. All right, we'll start up. back in the second row and go across there. Okay, if I can see correctly, I believe that's Mr. Rutherford and uh, Mrs. Anderson is in between the Rutherfords. There's Mrs. Rutherford on the other side of Mrs. Anderson. Mr. and Mrs. Hajini, I hope I pronounced that correctly. This is easy because it's the Watney family. It's Mr. and Mrs. Watney, Mr. Watney, and Mrs. Watney. Uh, I just, I just wanted to finish that row, Gary, if I may. Uh, it was Miss Perlstein, Miss Rosenberg, Miss Zalas, and Mr. Friedman. All now, right, thanks. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll now go downstairs. You folks, the rest of you folks remaining standing, forgive us. You may be seated. I would uh, like Betsy to prove that there's no... Well, I don't want to prove there's no collusion, because you know we don't kid you on this show. Betsy, uh, pick a number between one and five. Three. Three. Well, all the people in the third row of the front section down here in the orchestra, please stand up. All the people in the third row... Now, if you'll start again, from right to left, Harry, and name these people for us. All right. Uh, this is Mr. and Mrs. Duncan. Mr. and Mrs. About... Uh, excuse me just a moment. Will you uh, please be seated as your name is called so we'll know we have the right names. Yes. Uh, it was Mr. and Mrs. Duncan, Mr. and Mrs. Brockett, Mr. and Mrs. Pryor, uh, Mrs. Self, Mrs. Council, Mrs. Costello, I believe. Mrs. Costello, Mrs. Zeisler. I had a little trouble with that before. Mr. and Mrs. Ackerman. And this is a very difficult name to remember. This is Mr. Jones. Right. <laughs> is that great stuff? Is that great stuff? Harry Lorraine and this, you won't be able to do it as well as Harry, but you can do it. You can learn what he's doing. He made it so user-friendly. So I got to know him a bit. I've hosted him on um, basically every TV show I ever had. Uh, and uh, I had him on a podcast. This was a couple of years ago. And, and he talked about his life here in New York City and growing up in lower Manhattan and his dad was so mean to him when he got bad grades, and he had to improve his memory. He was kind of dyslexic. He wasn't a good student. So he went to the uh, – here's the story. Go ahead. Okay. He's, but there was nothing – the only way to stop my father hitting me for that was to get better grades. 
And I didn't know how to do that. Like I say, I was asking my schoolmates, what my teacher mean by... There was the dyslexia. Okay, one day I'm walking to school with the stomach cramps, and I stopped because the light went on in my head. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't have to be smart to get good grades. In those years, like I said, I was 11 years old. The questions you got, either you knew them or you don't. Uh, what's the capital of Maryland? Well, either you know that it's Annapolis or you don't. In other words, there's no way to... I was going to say Baltimore. There you go. Most you, people do. Yeah, just, there's, uh, Milwaukee is not the capital of Wisconsin there either. You go, right. There are so many, right? Right. These obscurities. And in Florida, the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's not Miami. So, anyway, that's the point I realized then that it didn't have to do with smarts. Like I say, you didn't have to intellectualize it. I didn't know that word when I was 11 years old, but that's what I was thinking. You had to remember the answers to the questions. Okay, but how do I do it? I thought I had a terrible memory. Well, I went to the what we call the Pitt Street Library. Actually, uh, it's called the Hamilton Fish Library, but it was on Pitt Street in New York, Lower East Side. So I called it the, we called it the Pitt Street Library. And I asked the lady, I'll never forget how she looked, the lady in a black gown with gray hair with a bun in the back. And I said, I need to learn how to remember so my father stops hitting me. She took me to a room where she helped me. We had to wipe cobwebs off. The door. Nobody had been in there for a 100 years. <laughs> and she took me into a corner where there were, I don't know, 20 books all on memory training. And I'm going back to the 16th century, 17th century. Quite a few of those books are in my personal library now. Again, remember that I was about 11 years old. She left me in this room, this lady. She kept, I was in there for hours reading these books. She kept knocking on the door to see if I was all right. She said, are you okay in there? You know, 99.9% of the things I read, I had no concept what they were talking about. But that 0.1% that I did understand changed my life, Greg. So that's when I said I could, and then what I did, I didn't realize that I was, Doing something new, I started to change whatever I did understand to fit my personal problem, which is to get a better grade on these darn 10-question tests that Mrs. Goldfish was giving. So I changed things to fit. I'll give you the end of that story. I'm walking, if time goes by, I start to get hundreds on these tests because I'm remembering everything I have to remember. And uh, my father stopped hitting me. Well, he stopped hitting me for that. He hit me for other things, you know, but he stopped hitting me for that. And uh, one day I walk into the room, there's Mrs. Goldfisher, and she says, Harry, what happened? Now you're getting hundreds, you're getting grades that I always expected to get from you. What happened? And I said, well, I, I, I learned how to remember things, Mrs. Goldfisher. She says, what do you mean? I said, well, I'll use the example that I gave you before. I said, like, to remember that... Annapolis is the president, is the capital of Maryland. I, I, I pictured Mary. There was a little girl named Mary in the class. I said, I pictured Mary, and I saw an apple. An apple was landing on her head. An apple is landing on Mary's head. Mary land. And I started to explain how, how I saw this. And I saw the curtain come down on her eyes. She thought I was nuts. <laughs> because yes. I remember exactly what she said. She said, all right, Harry, take your seat. Isn't that cool? What a guy. What a man. Uh, and I went to that Hamilton Fish Library. I was curious after I interviewed him. It's now a community center. It's still there. It's not a library anymore. And, uh, but it's, it's one of those buildings down there on Lower East Side, still standing. 
And I just, it was such a privilege to get to know him. And he was really kind of, he, he liked me and he definitely liked my dad, Ray Kelly. So Harry Lorraine, dead at the age of 96. He did very well. Smart guy, invested well, did well in real estate. Uh, and all these, you know, people would see him on TV and they'd want to learn how do you do that? And his books became massive bestsellers and later tape programs and video and it all works. I should demo. I should try. When we come back, come up with a list of something, all right? Come up with a list of 10 random things, and let's see if I can. uh, I should do this. i got to practice it more often, but it's it's great. Harry Lorraine, go ahead, page a minute memory, any of his books. They all work, and they all use the same principles. Um, But I like the page a minute memory book. More than uh, more than the others. That was the that was the one for me. Well, that was the first one I read, and that was the best. All right. So uh, what the hey Joe is on the phone from Orange County. Yes, Joe. Hi, hi, Greg. Um, you mentioned James Woods a little bit ago. Yeah. And it reminded me. Do you recall that he actually after the nine eleven attacks and the terrorist pictures were on the news and everything, he was actually on a flight a few days before the nine eleven attacks because he recognized the terrorists. They had done a trial run, and he was in first class with some of the terrorists that bombed 9-11. Yeah, I saw him uh, say that on the O'Reilly show, and it was a little unclear to me if he called the FBI before or after 9-11. At one point, it was intimated that he called them beforehand, but it was definitely, I don't fault him if he didn't call, if he waited till afterwards, but he he thought it was, there was something odd about those guys and it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He saw it. And, um, uh, imagine if we took this, took all of that seriously. What would the world be like if 9-11 had been thwarted? You know, so many things would be different. We wouldn't have invaded Iraq probably. If who knows? Who, who the hell knows? But everything would be different. Not necessarily. I mean, obviously the people who were lost, but strange how history works. You ever see that Star Trek episode where, um, Kirk goes back in time? And prevents Edith Keeler from getting run over by a car. And she was supposed to get run over by the car, but he prevents her from getting run over by the car. And she was a brilliant woman and, and a peace activist. And she talked FDR into not going into war. And that gave the Germans time to develop the V2 rocket. And then the Germans take over the world. So um, who knows what would have happened. But, um, yeah, pretty interesting guy, that James Wood. He is a superstar, James Woods. There was a time where he was in every single movie that they were ever making. Remember that, Joe? And I think he went all conservative, and you don't see him quite as much anymore. I wonder why. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Check your accounts. You know, Town Hall, townhall.com, great website. $4.7 million in small amounts of money donated to Democrats, apparently without the donor's knowledge. 
Investigative journalist James O'Keefe, yut, and Election Watch have stumbled upon a bizarre occurrence in Democratic campaign filings. Thousands of small donations totaling often close to a couple of hundred thousand dollars per person made to Democrats from elderly Democrats. It seemed rather strange that these elderly people who appeared to almost all in life in average homes and are unemployed would contribute excessive amounts, which average out to multiple donations a day for years. Who makes donations like that? Some people sign up to contribute once a month, which is normal, not multiple times a day. Suspicious money laundering may have been occurring with donations made using the old folks' names and addresses since they were likely to discover, less likely to discover them than younger people. O'Keefe, who started OMG Media Group after parting ways with Project Veritas, showed up at the homes of several of the elderly people who have been dubbed Smurfs to confront them about the excessive contributions. They all appear to be Democrats of modest means who seem confused and generally denied making anything but small amounts. You know, every now and then, I see on my American Express or credit card like three dollars coming out. You know what I mean? A month for just weird. You gotta you gotta keep on top of that because they will drain you. Uh, this looks like it's a very significant story. Townhall.com, and we thank you, Rachel Alexander. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, I still don't believe that Joe Biden won the election. Sorry, I just can't believe it. I just don't. I really uh-uh. I, can I prove it? No. I, I mean, I look, the circumstantial evidence is overwhelming in my opinion. Maybe someday we will. Maybe someday we'll see all the evidence. Uh, but right now, I'll tell you who gave me a great big fat clue that something was off in the election and going to be off in the election. Attorney General Bill Barr. Yeah, he turned out to be quite the disappointment. But there was one point where he seemed to have some fire in the belly. Fire in that big belly. Uh, when he was uh, AG, this is the summer of 2020, and he was really concerned about all the hijinks that they were pulling, rearranging how we were going to vote. I mean, they were using COVID as an excuse and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We all know that. And he was calling it out in real time as it was going down. Go ahead, please. But as far as widespread fraud, we haven't seen that since. Uh, well, we, have, we haven't had the kind of widespread use of mail-in ballots as being proposed. We've had absentee ballots from people who request them from a specific address. Now what we're talking about is mailing them to everyone on the voter list when everyone knows those voter lists are inaccurate. People who should get them don't get them, which is what has been one of the major complaints in states that have tried this in, in municipal elections. And uh, people who get them are not the right people. They're people who have replaced the, occup- the previous occupant, and they can make them out. And sometimes multiple ballots come to the same address with a whole genera- several generations of occupants. Do you think that's a way to run a vote? Well, uh, the only thing I'm saying is that so far we haven't seen widespread fraud. But you- So far we haven't tried it. And then he said, we're playing with fire. Wolf, we're playing with fire. We're playing with fire. And now he's, uh, <laughs> uh, Bill Barr is pretty blasé about mm, everything, everything. And what a naysayer when it comes to Trump. He was all over the shows yesterday. Does this sound like the same guy? Cut 33, please. So you mentioned the other cases. There's at least three other criminal cases. You have the two brought by the special prosecutor, the case in Georgia, 
you know, January 6th, classified documents, obstruction of justice. What, what do you think, uh, if you were advising uh, the former president, which obviously you're not, which, which would you be most concerned about? I'd be most concerned about the document case in Mar-a-Lago uh, because from what I can see, uh, and, and, you know, the, uh, when, it, when it first came out, a lot of Republicans banned the ramparts and were dumping all over the FBI and the government. Uh, and as the facts have come out, as I suggested when I spoke about it, the FBI was opposed to conducting the search. They weren't involved in launching the search. But also, uh, those steps were taken after a long period, about a year and a half, of trying to get the documents from him, which he had no claim to. He had no claim to those documents, especially the classified documents. They belonged to the government. And uh, so... I think he was jerking the government around, and they subpoenaed it, and they tried to jawbone him uh, into delivering the documents. But uh, the government is investigating the extent to which games were played, and there was obstruction in keeping the documents from them. You know, you know, and you're playing with fire. You're playing with fire, Bill Barr. You're the one playing with fire. Why is he going along with the swamp? Why is? What do they have on him? Oh, by the way, I know it's kind of weird, but hasn't been mentioned in a long time, and I'm not saying Bill Barr had anything to do with anything, but it is strange that that man's father was the headmaster of the Dalton School on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And guess who he hired as a math teacher at that school? Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, Bill Barr's father hired Jeffrey Epstein, who, oh, by the way, had no education credentials. He did not know, he did not have a, a teaching certificate. He didn't have a master's. He didn't even graduate from college, actually. Yet, Mr. Barr's father hired him to be a teacher around children at the Dalton School. Very prestigious school that's still there. It's probably woke as hell like the rest of them. It's private. Isn't that kind of weird? And there he is, undermining Trump. Um, oh, by the way. Uh, It's kind of surprising to me how these so-called smart guys can be so wrong on the law itself. That is the weakest case. Trump had every right. You know why? Because he's president. You know also why? Because when he went to Mar-a-Lago on January 20th of 2021 on Inauguration Day, he arrived there as president. He was president. He was still the president. Now, you can go back and forth. We want this. We You keep that. We need this. You can go back and forth, and you can be a real bureaucratic jerk about it, like the National Archives, but you can, change, you can exchange letters. But it's a civil matter, not a criminal matter. And how these guys criminalized it, well, that in and of itself is criminal. All right, so a great big, uh, a great big, clue as to why we're seeing so much transgender crap everywhere in commercials. First of all, this is what a Bud Bud Light commercial used to sound like, okay? Budweiser, right? The beer. I don't, when I did drink beer, I would drink a light beer. I don't drink a beer. I don't drink anything anymore, but uh, I would drink light beer. Otherwise, it felt like I was drinking like a loaf of bread. It had to be a light beer. Um, all right. Can I hear a classic beer commercial, Bud Light, 1990 or so? This is what a beer commercial should be. In Living Color is brought to you by Bud Light. When you want great taste, ask for Bud Light. Everything else is just a light. 
Yeah! Every day, more and more people are getting together over an ice-cold Bud Light. Well, you can taste it, you can feel it, you know you got it right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> get the hell out of here, Bud Light, or else. And now what do we have? What is a Bud Light commercial? What does it look like now with this uh, unusual character, Dylan Mulvaney, biological male dressed up as a little girl? Hi, impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. So I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but... It turns out it has something to do with sports, and I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money, too. Love ya! Wow, 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 wow. One year as a girl and gets all this uh, stuff. One year... What about what about lifelong women? Let's just grab some woman and give her this arrangement, a, a genuine woman. And what kind of caricature is this of femininity? Who the hell acts like that? I mean, it's over the top. It's weird. It doesn't make anybody want to drink beer. It's repulsive, quite frankly, the whole damn thing. Now, why is this happening? Well, the marketing, somebody tracked down the marketing guru, guru, the marketing person over at uh, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, who, oh, by the way, they're, you know what they sponsor? The rigged Democratic debates, the rigged presidential debates. That's, that's sponsored by Anheuser-Busch. Uh, can I uh, see this uh, young marketing whiz talk about why they hired transgender people to promote uh, uh, Budweiser? Go ahead. Well, I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when yeah. I took over Bud Light. And it was this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like we Mm -hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is what what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men Mm -hmm. and representation is at sort of the heart of evolution you've got to see people who reflect you in the work and we had this hangover i mean bud light had been kind of a brand of fratty kind of out of touch humor and it was really important (laughs) that we had another approach Fratty. Did she say fratty? Fratty? Out of touch humor? Is this Dylan Mulvaney in touch? Is that in touch? Hi, guys. Doing an over-the-top feministic, uh, I don't know anything about sports because I'm a girl. Is that in touch? I thought March Madness was because we're all having a hectic month. Is it really about sports? Is that sophisticated? Is that? uh, No, it's not. They're destroying an iconic brand. They're destroying it. And I don't like beer. Quite frankly, I don't like any product, to be honest. I am so I, – I, well, uh, there are a few. I love New Jersey Diet. <laughs> I love our sponsors. Uh, but I am seldom influenced by uh, by commercials on TV. I just I, – I don't know. Or magazine ads. They go up, go – I don't know. Maybe they work on me subliminally. I don't know. But they're destroying it. Now, that guy uh, – what's his name? Matt, He's he, he's really doing this whole – 
campaign. We should boycott these crazy products. We should we should walk away from uh, these this silliness. Let them know how we feel. Now, boycott campaigns seldom work, um, but they've awakened. I think they're awakening people. They're awakening people, and. Maybe just maybe this could work. Hey, Joe, wait, hold on, Joe. Morty in Central Jersey. Hello. Yes, sir. How you doing, Greg? Good. So uh, there's so much stuff that you just said that I wanted to talk about anyway, but I only got a quick time. Um, my uh, my question was for you, um, and if you'll allow me to ask my other one after, is you mentioned a comment before about uh, if 9-11 had never happened. Now, I'm 25. I, I was, you know, three years old when... 9-11 happened. I remember I was at my friend's house. That's it. But what, from what I'm told, after after everything happened, I was told that there was a togetherness, that the nation really snapped together and came together. Um, do you think that that's possible again? If we could if we could have – I mean, I, I'm not saying that we need another terrible you know, instance like that, but do you think it's possible that we could snap together like that? As a nation, as Americans, it didn't matter. Yeah. That's what I was told. I mean. I, it, well, it did. You're right. I mean, it wasn't, it's probably overstated now, but there was this, you know, George W. Bush was, uh, had a 90% approval rating in the fall of 2020, uh, 2001 in the months after 9-11. Um, now he squandered that and he invaded Iraq and he made all kinds of horrible mistakes. I remember vividly voting against him in 2004. I did not like him and it was a very contentious election. You know, uh, yeah, it's possible for a brief rally around, but then we go into our, our little silos and, um, and that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. You know, it's, it's a, it's a democracy. You know, we don't all have to agree. However, what's happening now culturally, I think we're all just coming apart. I mean, we are borderline. We borderline don't have a country anymore. Literally. Well, we have no border. So I don't know. I actually don't know if it happened now, you know, right. The, the blaming would start right away. The partisanship would start immediately. You know, the blame Trump. Something happened. They would blame Trump. You know, they would blame uh, fascists, white supremacists. Everything would be seen through racial uh, racial lens. So I don't think so. What do you think? I uh, well, I, I unfortunately I agree with you a little bit, but I I hope uh, I hope I hope not. My other um, my other question was about uh, with you know with the Bud Light campaign. You know, my. I have a family member who was a uh, marketing director at, um, you know, a beer company. And um, if you remember, there was a uh, there was a campaign for Heineken and they used to play that song. I need a hero. Remember that when they were doing that marketing campaign for uh, responsible driving? Uh, I remember that song, but I don't remember. I, I remember drink responsibly. They still say that. I don't remember the hero thing. So what about that it? campaign was that campaign was engineered by, you know, by my sister. So I'm saying, you know, there, there's plenty of things that Bud Light could have done rather than just, you know, politicize their brand. And, uh, you know, look, it's just uh, like you said, I mean, we're so everyone's so polarized to that. Me as a 25 year old, I hope that there's a uh, there's room that we can, uh, you know, the pendulum can just swing back to the center and everyone. can. Hey, hold on down. a second. Are you the guy who smokes pot? No, you said I do, but I told no, you I don't. You said something. <laughs> you play. You were playing some sort of game that day. What's going on? What's the real deal? You you asked me if I did. I said I did in the past. Yeah, but there was something up. You man. started giggling and stuff like that, and then you uh, <laughs> you were asking me strange questions. Come on, Morty. Even now, I asked you about life. I asked you about life advice. Ah, Morty. All right. Well, anyway, I'm impressed with your sister. She doesn't call and play games. 
Uh, she came up okay. with that whole marketing campaign, huh? Yes, sir. All right, Morty. Thank you very much. Good to talk once again. I'm a little bit wary of the, the Morty. Uh, all right, let's try one more. Uh, let's try uh, Joe. In uh, where are you? Joe the Box from the America First Warehouse. Hey, What's how are you, pal? Thank you so much. Yeah, you guys are the best. Thank you so much for having me. It was at that uh, that Ronkonkoma. What a beautiful facility, Joe. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. I'm a little disappointed in the Budweiser situation. I think the uh, the marketing director of that. I have two words for them: you're fired. <laughs> that might be an acronym with a a word, so it might be two and a half words there. You are fired. Yeah, we don't we don't serve uh, Budweiser no more. Anheuser Busch uh, products. Uh, you disrespect this country, and uh, we don't like you in the warehouse. So we canceled them. I don't believe in canceling, but in this situation, I'm gonna. Yeah, good for you. What's another beer? What's a good uh, light beer that people prefer to uh, Bud Light? What is another one? Right, I think it's the Miller Ultra Light uh, brand is what we're moving to. What about Coors Light? Does that come under the Anheuser Busch uh, 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 umbrella? I don't think it does. Does it? Anybody yeah. know? I don't yeah. think it was on that list. We like Coors Light also. American made Colorado Rockies. Yeah. Um, what else? Tell us more about the uh, America First Warehouse. What's going on out there? How can people get involved? Well, the AmericaFirstWarehouse.com is getting very involved in the America Project, uh, Greg Kelly, and I've been telling them all about you because you're really one of the few patriots that tell the truth. These guys are unveiling the truth about the border, election integrity, and fighting for our rights and freedoms. It's an organization uh, like for the J6 people. They're raising money just for those families to pay their bills and to help them along. Uh, it's a wonderful organization. The America First Warehouse wants to stop the border. Greg, you know we've had family members that were murdered by the fentanyl a crisis coming over the border, so that's why we're very active. Well, I love it. Thank you for your hospitality. It's the AmericaFirstWarehouse.com? That's correct, sir, and you are welcome back many times, Greg. I want to let you know uh, that you're one of, we got your big fat head in the door. I think you might have saw that. <laughs> it's called the fat head. It's a big picture of the you. The fat head? I don't know. What? You call it like that. It's just a big picture of your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for that, by the way. I did see that. You call everybody a fat. You call them. They're all fat heads. Is that right? They're on. It's a whole wall of fat heads over uh, there. I'm right. Let's find another name place. for that. You got Rudy Giuliani on that wall. We don't want to call it a fat head. Let's call them. Uh, let's call them posters. All right. Let's call them. Uh, a marketing thing. I hear you. Fathead. I don't, I, I I don't want to be up. marketed like that. Anyway, it's great. The America First Warehouse. Joe the Box, I so appreciate it. We'll never forget my wonderful time there, and I'll be back. Thank you, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, what the hell did the Dalai Lama do? What the hell is going on with the Dalai Lama? By the way, what is the Dalai Lama? I know he's some guy from Tibet, and uh, what the hell did he do? So the Dalai Lama, whatever it is he does, some people see him as like having divine powers. I mean, I, uh, I, I don't. I think he's just a dude in orange clothing. Uh, he did something very strange. He asked a child to suck his tongue. He's sitting there in front of a bunch of people. He's like the grand poobah sitting there like Jabba the Hutt. And all these people come up to him like as a greeting line, but he's sitting down. And one is like a nine-year-old kid. And the Dalai Lama says, suck my tongue. And he sticks his tongue out. And then the kid approaches and kind of sucks on his tongue. 
and people start laughing, and it's all on videotape. What the hell? I think the Dalai Lama just got me tooed. Huh? The Dalai Lama's going down? I mean, I'm sorry. Maybe he should be arrested for that. You can't do that. I'm watching him do it right here. It's gross. It's like kissing that kid. What the hell else is going on out there in Tibet? What the? Maybe it's the altitude, the Himalaya Mountains. Aren't they really high up? Who does this? Richard Gere is going to be devastated. Uh, Richard Gere, isn't he a Buddhist? Doesn't he hang out with him? This is crazy. (laughs) Dolly, it's on CNN. It's all over the place. He demands the child to suck my tongue. Sadly, this comes as no surprise to me. The Dalai Lama endorsed something else weird. Okay, this is, uh, well, looks like it's uh, the beginning of the end for the Dalai Lama. Um, and by, Oh, by the way, people are pointing out, <laughs> Dalai, here's the Dalai Lama telling somebody uh, a couple of months ago that Donald Trump lacks moral principle. He lacks moral principle. He's sucking on nine-year-old's tongues, and it's on videotape, and he did it in public. A little bit drunk on power, huh? Now, the Dalai Lama has apologized after a video emerged showing the spiritual leader kissing a child on the lips and then asking him to suck my tongue at an event. Whoa! Whoa! This is pretty sick stuff. Dalai Lama, uh, you can't do that, right? No, that would be child molestation. And uh, I, I'm sure that's against the law in Tibet. Uh, he needs to be arrested immediately. Sorry, but uh, that's uh, that's a child. He's <laughs> sorry. Uh, too bad. Get help. I'll see you tonight.